Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew 28, verses 5 through 7 and 16 through 20. The angel of the Lord said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Jen, and good morning, Bethany North. Uh, that's one of my favorite pieces of scripture. And uh, today we'll be talking about this very thing, this, this value of Bethany of going uh, to take what Jesus has poured into us and uh, to, to bless others with it, to go into all the world. And as Jesus promises there, even at the end, he says, and I will be with you. We don't go alone ever. We go with the Spirit in us and through us. Uh, today, I have a, a message entitled, Daring to Do Like Disciples Number Two, Go Into Your Life with Purpose. We have these values, gather, grow, and go, that I started last week with the value of gather. Next week, we'll conclude with the value of grow. Today, we're talking about going. And, and the hope is, is that we will look at our own life with a deeper purpose by the end of this message, because Jesus is indefinitely calling us to be people that go to spread his good news. Will you pray with me now? Jesus, thank you so much for this moment in time to open your scriptures and have our, our lives opened um, to be uh, learning more and more about what it looks like to be a disciple. And Jesus, we're just grateful for these moments, virtual though they are, where we can be gathered in many different places in this city, uh, but gathered together as, as a body of Christ, learning more what you have for us in this time and place. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, Go. For me, I've been greatly impacted uh, by missions, by the idea of going into all the world and getting the opportunity to, to be part of what God's doing, not just here in Seattle, but in other parts of the world. Now, one of the ministries that, uh, that Bethany partners with is a ministry called Agros. And Heather and I and our family, we've been part of an Agros support team for almost a decade. Agros uh, works with families, uh, rural poor in Central America, and uh, teaches them how to farm and, and gives them land. And then over time, they repay those land grants. And so they become landowners in uh, nations where land is, is kept to only uh, the, the elite few. And some years ago, Heather and I went on one of these service trips with families from Seattle that we'd been, you know, you know, kind of pouring into this village in Honduras, Piedra de Jareb. And so some of us were able to go and we were able to bring some of our kids on the trip. And it was like, hey, we're going on a mission trip. And we flew to Houston, caught another flight to, to Honduras and took a long bus and overnight in a, in a hotel. And then we, you know, went into the village finally on the next day. And we were so excited to start our mission trip. I mean, I'll spare you all the details, but the reality was 
We had very little to offer the people in Honduras in Piedra de Jereb of actual labor. We were working on their road up to some upper coffee plants that they had just put in. And, you know, within a couple hours, you know, we're toiling and our kids are kind of losing, you know, their minds and we're, we're helping repair the road. And in comes Lucinda. Lucinda is, is the um, town, you know, president essentially. And she has fields up on the coffee plantation five miles up this mountain. Lucinda is dressed stately and regal, long skirt, a shirt that looked like it had been ironed. She's walking, not in high heels, in flats, but this woman had dignity and grace. And so we're there to help on the road to Lucinda's coffee plants. And she was gracious with us, but really, I mean, we were just entering into their experience. At the end of our time there, we had this like gathering with them where we were, you know, celebrating all that God was doing in their village. And I came away not with a feeling that I had more to do in Honduras. I, I came away with an inspiration to return to Seattle, to the mission field that is my own life here with renewed purpose. Because it's often as we go in order to, to be a blessing to others that God reminds us of the way that he's poured into us, the way that he's impacted us and shaped us, that all of us have been changed because someone heard this word of go and they responded, whether it's a, a church or a parachurch ministry or a family member who cared enough to share the gospel with you as a disciple of Christ. So this commandment of going is central to our life as disciples. We're going to talk briefly here about what it looks like to go, how we're called to go, but hear me, also when we need to stop and rest. Because in this series, we're talking about gather, grow, and go, but we're pairing them with spiritual practices because we want to be a practicing community. Last week, I talked about solitude. Today, I'm going to talk about rest, and next week, we'll talk about prayer because if you're going to be a blessing to others, but you're not stopping to rest, you'll quickly find yourself out of gas. And so I want to encourage us, church, to to enter into our life with purpose into the specific places that Jesus is giving us right now, the ground under our own feet as a mission field for his glory. So let's begin here about what it looks like to, 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 to go, to go on a mission, to go into the mission of our own life with purpose. What does go even mean? It means that God has a relentless mission to see all people come to faith in him. His purpose is for us as disciples to, to, to go, that we would pair belief with intentional action. Jesus' first disciples, it wasn't a philosophy or a mindset. He called them literally to walk with him, to walk behind him, to become like him. The disciples knew that in simply following Jesus, it wasn't something we were going to think about. It was something that we were going to do. And so today, particularly in a, in a COVID church, in a, in, a, in a city like Seattle right now, we need a reframe on this value of go. That go isn't just for the superheroes of the faith. Go is one of our common practices the disciples must do. Because as we go, we see the power of God in new ways. We become dependent on a source of power that only God can provide. In this way, we go to be reminded of who God is, of who he's made us to be. We 
go to enter into this mutual relationship of transformation. It's not about us. Remember all the way back in Exodus. Remember what Moses spoke to the people, Exodus 14. Don't be afraid. Stand firm. Watch God do his work of salvation for you today. And take a good look at the Egyptians today for you're never going to see them again. God will fight for you. God will go for you, with you, through you. So we step out, not because we're so perfect, but because we're hungry for more of God's mission in the world. We're hungry to experience more of God's mission in our own lives. And so living into the value of go draws you into a dependence on the life force that is Jesus Christ that will enable you to make an impact into your world. And so some of you are like, well, go, great, Scott, how, where? I mean, though we want to go on these epic adventures, I'm stuck on the couch. Remember what Jesus says in Matthew 10 when he sent his disciples. Then he said, I don't send you to the Gentiles right now. That came in Acts. We talked about that already. I don't send you to Samaria right now. That'll happen as well. He says, go to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus says, start right close to home. Start with those right under your care. The lost sheep need someone to go after them, to care for them, to, to bring them home. And so a question for you as you're you know, hearing this message, who are the lost sheep in your life that God wants you to go and care for? People you know, that you are roommates with your children, your parents, your neighbors, people that you're, you know, co-workers with virtually or in person. In this way, go, especially now as a recommitment to looking at today as my mission field, at my life now as the one that God holds a purpose for his divine plans. We're not just living into the future of, oh, someday I'll go and do that thing. We're hungry right now. God, give me a purpose. God, what do you want to do with my life today? Yeah, send me across the world. You know, help me volunteer with the church or a different parachurch organization. I want to be a missionary. All those things are super valuable if that's the call in your life. But for many of us, especially now, go means to look at our lives as a missiologist would with a curiosity. God, how will you, you know, how will you use me to bless the world? God, how will you use me, like Genesis 12 says, that we would be blessed to be a blessing? That we would wake up every day, God, make me aware of the mission field today that is in the first person I encounter. In a, in a word of grace for my child, homeschooling through Zoom. Uh, in, a, in, a, in a piece of confidence, God, in who your character is, even though our external factors look like chaos right now. Like we go on mission in any part of the world or our life with intention to make the name of Jesus famous. And we have people in this church, like I said, who are going across the world doing amazing things. But many of the rest of us right now need to look at our homes and schools and jobs and social networks, looking at friends and family, not following Jesus, not as projects or potential converts, but wonderful stories that God longs to be part of that we would be used to go in order to remind people that the God of the universe is their friend, not their foe. I can't even say those words to you right now without feeling overcome with spirit bumps. It's, it's unbelievable. Me? God, me? Man, I, I'm a broken container, God. How can I be poured out to be a blessing for you? And Jesus says, Exactly, because as you go, you'll be reminded 
but you only go by my power. That's what James was up to when he said in James chapter 1 verse 22, don't be, you know, don't be just hearers of the word. No, we're called to be doers of the word. We're called to active participation. In the message translation from James 1, 22 through 24, don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you're anything but letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear, James 1 says. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. And so to go reminds us who we are and remind us whose we are. We belong to him. Recently, a friend on our MRJR advisory council says, for them, racial justice is the mission under their own feet right now. They said to me, Scott, I feel like I'm waking up to how I can raise my voice to be good news for people that have been marginalized in society. That was their story. What's God putting at your feet? As you pray about, God, where do you want me to go? Stay open to where the Spirit of God wants to move you as a missionary with purpose into the life you're already living. That's what go means. And then secondly, how are we supposed to go? We're meant to go in such a way that's relational in nature. When uh, Jesus sends out the disciples in Luke 10, uh, it's pretty incredible here. Uh, Luke 10, 1 through 3, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and he sent them out in Luke's gospel, two by two by two, ahead of him to every town and place where he's about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. He who has lost his life for my sake will find it. So much to teach on there. But the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. And when we live into this value of go, we're saying, Lord, I want to be a worker in your fields. It's you're the Lord of the harvest. You, you will determine the fruitfulness of my efforts. I just meant, I meant to participate. And we, we model that with availability. Use me, Lord. Later in that same passage of Luke 10, the 72 returned with of exhaustion, with fear. No, they returned with joy. Because they got to see God move as they stepped out. They returned with joy and they're like, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. But Jesus said this. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, this is critical. Jesus says, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. And so when we go, we go as little children. We go with humility and curiosity to what God wants to do in us and through us to be a blessing in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, across the world. Wow, God, you're calling me to participate with you for the reminder for all of creation that you're for them. I'm humbled and I'm honored and I'm available. Jesus just wants to remind us we're never sent alone and we never go without first receiving the Spirit's power. And as this passage, passage reveals, he's delighted when we go. 
So like we're, we're off to the races. We're like, we're going into our life with purpose. We're in. But for many of us, we're also really tired. And we've been hearing a lot of messages over the course of our life about go and do and sign up. And for some, that's falling on deaf ears. All series long, we're pairing our values with our spiritual practices so that we have a life force beyond ourselves in which to serve from. Today, I want to talk briefly here as we close about rest. When do we stop and rest? In Mark's version of sending out the disciples, the disciples gather triumphantly back together. They, in Mark 6, 30, the apostles gathered after they'd been sent out. They gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Jesus, we're doing the things. It's amazing. And then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus says to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. The context here is incredible. Jesus had commissioned disciples for ministry. John had recently been killed. His disciples were going, but they were grieving. And it's like Jesus was, you know, just saying, I want you to take care of yourself. They come back like, Jesus, we're doing the stuff. It's amazing. We're doing, we're going, we're doing, we're going. Jesus is like, stop. I don't even want your ministry reports right now. There's nothing that you can do to make you love me anymore, Jesus says. I need you to know that unless you rest, you'll burn out. Unless you stop and take a Sabbath, you'll not be able to go anywhere. It's like Jesus is saying, the secret to your going is coming away with me for Sabbath rest. Before Mark's gospel, before the feeding of the 5,000, before the transfiguration, before the march to Jerusalem, so much work to do, but Jesus' instructions here, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. He sent them to go, because this is what disciples do. They do, they, they go, and they look at the whole world and they look at their life with purpose. But disciples also are called to rest and to live into the promise that God's goodness isn't just for them out there. It's got to start right here in me. Before I can be good news to anyone else, I need to soak in the reminder that God is good news for me. And it happens when we rest. And it happens as we practice Sabbath. And it happens when we, when we, when we steal away. For some of you, like, oh, I, you know, I know what you're talking about. For me, I, I rest, you know, I put my kids down and then I, I rest, I light a candle. For some, it's like, oh, I take Saturday a Sabbath or Sunday afternoon a Sabbath. Like, I won't be prescriptive what it looks like. But I know if you're like me, that it's really easy not to rest because there's so much to do. But disciples are called to go, but disciples, please hear me, disciples. You're called to come away with Jesus and to rest and to practice Sabbath. And some of you are hearing this piece right now and you're feeling convicted by the Holy Spirit because it's really hard in this season of life for you to rest. But your resting will testify to your power source as much as you're going well. Called to go, we're called to rest. In Dr. Brenda's, uh, Brenda Salter McNeil's landmark book, Roadmap to Reconciliation, she talks about people that are so burned out from pursuing racial justice and the, the advocacy that for some is so costly and so painful. 
And she normalizes that when you get tired of fighting these battles, you need to enter into a restoration cycle that can happen as you rest from the work. Trust that other people at times can pick up the mantle and go into whatever battle you're called to fight. But if Jesus is asking you to rest and practice Sabbath, it's a commandment. Rest allows us to reconnect with God's power. And after refueling, we can go again. If we never stop, we'll never travel very far. And so find time to rest, church, in the midst of this current mission. Whatever that looks like for you, be convinced that God will work as you stop working. And so in conclusion today, just some questions that will kind of prompt into our coffee houses after this. Where is God asking you to go right now? And where is God encouraging you to get some rest? Church, you do this really well. You, you, you go. We have friends that worship with us who live in the San Juans, who deliver food to the world's refugees in the worst refugee camps in the world. We have friends in our church here who are on staff or volunteering with Young Life to bring hope to junior high and high schoolers in North King, South Snohomish County. Uh, Recently, my own wife heard about a young couple struggling and said that she would meet with them and encourage their marriage. We have friends in this church who are generous and using all of the resources they have to go into their life. My brother-in-law told me where he came upon an unhoused person recently who was just needing socks and he pulled his car over and took the socks, new socks, off his feet and blessed his friend. What is God going to ask you to do? Where is God inviting you to have a purpose for this time and season? You can't change the world tomorrow, but you can be used with purpose where God is giving you. Go and also church rest for his glory in us. We pray with me now. Jesus, thank you so much for this moment to just be reminded of this simple but profound commitment that disciples are called to go, that as it's stepping out, Lord, reminded of dependency on you, that you will fight in us and for us. That even going is meant to be relational, but as much as we get excited about the stuff we do for you, more than that, Jesus, you're delighted when we rest in your power. And so continue to inspire us to go for your glory and continue to inspire and encourage us to come away and rest. The God of the universe delights in his children. He's pleased and proud when we, when we make much of him into our personal relationships. But there is nothing we can do to earn the grace and goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God, will you remind us of that truth even as we worship here in close? We would hear you speaking your truth and your power and your grace. Would you right now, Lord, encourage your people through this message that they belong to you. Give them a purpose for the day before them for your glory. And all God's people said, amen. Let's close in worship.